The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. Lord, as we focus on your power and your love today, may our hearts respond the right way. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You can stay there if you want, Barry. You look comfortable. <laughs> yeah, he's cool. Um, all right. Hey, we have been, of course, journeying through the book of Acts, and we have made it. I'm actually kind of proud of this. We've made it without any you know, trips off the side for me at 22 chapters in, okay? Hold your applause, but that's pretty good for me, 22 straight chapters. Uh, and so we just have like six more to go, and we are going to finish that up. But as we've gone through there, uh, we have looked at some of the epistles that Paul has written and tried to look at them about when he wrote them. Uh, just take a quick quick look at them some. Now, the epistles are divided up in some different categories. Uh, the last three that he wrote are to Timothy and Titus, and they're called the pastoral epistles. And then there's the ones that he wrote from prison, which are Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon, uh, called the prison epistles. But the first six that he wrote, they came up with a really clever name for the ones that he wrote early in his ministry. They call those the early epistles. Okay, I, I know that's great theological minds came up with that little title, but uh, we've already looked at Galatians and we've already looked at Thessalonians. Uh, the other ones that fit in there are uh, Romans and Corinthians. Now, Romans, we talk about a lot. Uh, any preacher does because Romans is a great book to preach. Romans 8 and Romans chapter 12. You could preach on those forever, but uh, I haven't really preached much since I've been here from the book of Corinthians. I think around Easter time we do sometimes because there's the great verses in there about the idea that uh, uh, if there is no resurrection from the dead, our faith is in vain, and that, those are great to, to come up with and, and work around Easter time. But I don't know that I've ever really uh, dove in much to the book of Corinthians. So that's, uh, that's what we're going to do a little bit today. So we need to start with a bit of an overview of the book. You might remember that when Paul was visiting the different cities, we talked about Corinth, and we talked about the fact that this was, was, a very, this was known as a very wicked city. Okay, now that wasn't the Christian title. We're going to call that wicked. That was everybody's title for it. I mean, if you played the part of a, uh, of a drunkard, they say you're acting like a Corinthian. Okay? Uh, it was not, it, it was a wicked place, and some of that wickedness had crept into the church. So when you read the letters to, to Corinth, you find in there more rebuke than you do in his other epistles. You find come on, get your act together. You're, you're not behaving right. Uh, you find that, that he is talking to them about immorality. Uh, there's two particular things that he talks about in there that I think more than anything else. One of them comes up in the very first chapter, and that is he talks to them about division, about fighting in the church. Okay? Uh, some of them are claiming to follow this leader. Some of them are claiming to follow this leader. And they're saying, come on, this, this isn't working. Uh, this isn't how Christians are supposed to behave. Uh, we are all one in the body of Christ. And he talks to them about that. Now, that is not the sermon today. We're going to go to the second main point. But I really feel, I, I try not, I, I want to be a pastor. I want to share the truth. I don't want to be a meddler. You, you know what I mean? Kind of looking for trouble and, and, and chasing it down. But I think as we look at this and as we approach the coming months, uh, 
we could even pretend that there's an election coming up in a couple months. And as, as, we, uh, as we approach this and as we think about this, there's two things I want to say as pastor, and I want to repeat them several times. One of them is, can, can we please remember, that? and this is something God keeps teaching me over and over again, there are smart, good people who love Jesus Christ who disagree with me. Okay? I have to remember that. They, you know, just because somebody disagrees with me doesn't mean they're the devil. Okay, uh, and I, I have to keep, the, the Holy Spirit keeps coming back to me on that and, and, and tell, telling me Matt, that. And the second thing, and this is totally in cliche form, but, uh, but I saw this, and, and I know, sorry, you can just throw something at me later. Uh, totally a little cliche here, but my hope is not in donkeys, and my hope is not in elephants. My hope is in the lamb. I know that's a cliche, uh, but that's pretty good, isn't it? And, and I think we need to remember that as God's people, that our hope is in the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our hope for redemption is in Him. If, uh, you know, if you have a particular affiliation you want to chase after, uh, I'm, not, I'm not condemning anything as far as that goes. I'm just saying, ultimately, my hope is not going to be in anybody other than the one who died for me. Simple? Good. Okay. Anyway, got that out of my, uh, wherever it was. Um, okay, now, the other thing I wanted to mention, we are going to look at what I think is the most, one of the most familiar chapters in the Bible. Okay, if I were to say to you, 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the blank chapter, what word goes in there? Well, hey, that was pretty good. For around here, that was really good. If I hear one voice, that's good. So five or six, that's pretty good. First Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. I think as we get reading it, you're going to recognize a lot of it. You're gonna, you, you'll know where we're coming from. A lot of times we think of this chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, as like, you know, Paul was writing a letter one day and he thought, hey, you know what? People need a poem they can read at weddings. I'm putting this in here. Uh, and uh, in fact, I've done many weddings where we read from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's a very common thing. However, the context of it, it actually fits into a four-chapter thing, chapter 11 through chapter 14, where what Paul is addressing is uh, worship practices that had, gone, that had gotten messed up, okay? Uh, where people are, are worshiping. The Corinthian church, apparently it says when they came together, everybody had a prophecy, everybody had a thing. Apparently it had become kind of chaotic, and a lot of times their worship had become more about them, and it had become a point of conflict. And, he, and uh, So he addresses this for four chapters. So that is the context as, as we look at the beginning. And uh, so, you know, we think of this as this beautiful, wedding uh, passage and, you know, beautiful. I want to let you know that there are some frightening possibilities that Paul brings up, okay? Now, if I were to come and perform your wedding, Katie, where'd you go? There you go. She just asked me today to perform her wedding, uh, but, uh, and, and I said, no, no, I'm just kidding, uh, but uh, if I were, to, and I decide, hey, you know what? Those people at that wedding, they need a good hard sermon, they need a rebuke. Uh, I could do it from, from 1 Corinthians 13. I could, really, I could really take off and let them have it. We could have kind of a scary wedding uh, if, if we wanted to when you look at the truth of it in context. Okay, so are you ready here? The, the frightening possibilities really revolve around the fact that if we are not careful, we can do this whole Christianity thing without something called love. Okay, here you go. If I speak in the tongues, okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. What am I doing? I'm just making a bunch of noise, okay? Worthless noise. And if I have prophetic powers 
and I understand all mysteries. Boy, that'd be sweet. And, all, and I have all knowledge. And if I have faith so that I can remove mountains, but I don't have love, what am I? If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, once again, the Scripture says, I have nothing. Now, I mentioned in the little newsletter that goes out in, in the week that uh, it's kind of my, my escape music is now, you say, don't you listen to worship music? I do, but it's not escape music. It makes me think and contemplate. When I want to be totally brain dead, there's a station out of Dwajak, 97.1, that plays oldies. Okay, I'm just telling you. Uh, you can stone me for that later, but that's what I put on. I got in the car to, on Monday. I was actually working on this idea, and I got in the car at lunch, and I had 97.1 on there, and the song that came on was, um, if, if, wait, Without Love by the Doobie Brothers. Without love, where would you be now? Okay. By the way, the Doobie Brothers. If, if anybody my age ever starts to tell you about how wonderful the music was when I was a kid and how wholesome and godly and you guys are just so corrupt now, all you have to say is Doobie Brothers. <laughs> you had a group called the Doobie Brothers. Uh, but their question that they ask is, without love, where would we be? That's really what we want to explore in these verses. Without love, where would we be? Because there's some frightening possibilities that there's some things that we can have and not have love. We can have, first of all, we can have worship without love. Um, now, I don't want to limit worship in any way just to the time that we sing together, but it's kind of a microcosm of that because worship is to be our lifestyle. Uh, it is to be our whole lives. But if we even just kind of limit it to that and think about that time a little bit, it is very possible for us uh, to sing his praise. I, I was thinking about this even as a pastor. You know, we'll get together and we'll analyze the worship later. And what are the questions we ask? We'll say things like, oh, hey, how was the flow of worship? And how was the energy of worship? You know, and that's what we're focused on. And it is very easy for me. Um, I, when I first came here, I used to find myself all the time analyzing the worship. And I'd be sitting there and, you know, well, I don't know if that's good. Yeah, this is good. So he's good. She's good or what, whatever like that. I found myself doing that. I don't know if you've noticed it, uh, but when, when we worship now, I sit over here and all I try to do is worship. I try not to look around. I try not to care who came to the church that day. All I try to do is take my attention and put it on the Lord. That's, what I, that's my attempt because that's what I'm here to do. And, and Jeremy and, and I have, have talked about that. You know, his goal, we want to be as sharp, we want to be as be professional as possible in, in glorifying God in that way. But ultimately, what he wants to do or what Adam wants to do if he's leading and, and Craig and Betsy and David and who else we got? The, the Smiths, I saw them back there. Uh, and everybody else, I'm missing somebody. Barry! He's gone. Hey, Bear. Uh, but uh, every, what we want to do is not, is not put on any type of a show. What we want to do is help people and shepherd people to look right here, to really worship, to bow our knees before him and praise him for who he is and, and look at him in that way. Because, again, it is very possible to worship without love, and that is God's uh, assessment. Uh, remember in the book of Isaiah, he said that if you uh, draw near to me with your mouth, but if your heart is far from me, hey, you're totally missing it. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, I have a tendency sometimes to focus on the other things. And here in Corinth, they were putting on a show. Worship had become about, uh, about them more than anything. And he says, you can even worship me and have it be empty if there's no love kind of a scary possibility that we can be gathered together singing and have it sound beautiful but without love it's worth diddly
The second thing that uh, we see in there, and if you've, I'm going to go back. Uh, I'll talk about ministry, but I want to go back with you for a second and look at that second verse. It begins over here. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith so that I can remove mountains. Now, I want you to think for a minute here. Uh, in the Old Testament, when they talk about positions of leadership, they talk about the prophet, the priest, and the king. Okay? Uh, the prophet is the one who is teaching the word. Okay, the priest is more the one. If you look at his idea, he has this uh, he has this understanding and he has this knowledge. And then you have the king is the is the leader that can get the job done. He is the faith to move mountains. He can get things done. Now, I want you to envision and you have to use your imagination on this one. You cannot look here, but I want you to envision a pastor who has all three of those gifts. By the way, they are very rare. Most pastors have one or <laughs> maybe none. Uh, but uh, but if. But I want you to think about if you could find a pastor who is an incredible teacher, okay? I mean, he has that, he has that gift. He can, when he talks, you understand the Word of God, he can explain it. If you can find a pastor who has knowledge, not one like me that keeps saying, you know, the older I get, the less I know, uh, you know, and, and, but he has just incredible understanding and perception and ability to counsel and stuff like that. If you can find somebody then that has this faith to move mountains, this is the go-getter that can get things done. I have a plan. I have a vision. Let's go. If you could find somebody like that, you would lose them fast because other churches would come after them. Okay, do you know what I mean? That, that is kind of rare that somebody could do all three of those things. But you know what the scripture says here? Even if you find somebody like that, if there is not love, you got nothing. Does that, does that resonate? How important love is? Because even if you have, yeah, but we have a big church, but you got nothing. Seriously, I, if, if, that, if I'm understanding this correctly, that, correctly uh, that's, what, that's what it's saying. You can have all these things, but without love, you got nothing. The third thing that uh, we see is incredible sacrifice. He said, even if I, if I give my body to be burned. Um, some of you might remember about, um, probably about 12, 15 years ago, a guy named David Platt wrote a book called Radical. I might remember that. It's a good little book, very challenging little book. But uh, he just talked about how, you know, our faith is really very pretty uh, easy. You know, it keeps it easy. And I remember he challenged people to a radical faith. But one guy that I knew, a teenage young man, actually, and, and some of his buddies said, hey, we're going to take this seriously. Uh, we have way too much. We want to take what we have, and we want to give it to the poor. I went into the young man's closet. Well, that sounds weird, but uh, I was in his house. I saw into his closet. He had actually kept, like, two pairs of pants, three shirts. He'd given away everything else he had but his guitar that he, that he used in, in worship. And his, the rest of his room was empty. He said, I, he said, I just want to give it away to people who don't have it. And he got real radical and, and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, that just really got a hold of that. Understand what Paul's writing to here. It says, even if you do that, I mean, even if you looked and you said, you know what, giving 10% was so much fun, think how much fun giving 90% would be. Uh, that's what we're getting. Uh, what, if, what if I gave it all? Well, you know, what if I just gave every cent that I have? How okay. He says, even that, if you do that and there is no love, what is it then? Nothing. What is it? If we do that, that's where we are in nothing. Now, I'm going to jump ahead to the last verse. We're going to pick it up next week at verse number four, and we're going to go through how love is described. Okay, this week we're fo focusing, on why, focusing on why it's so important. Next week we're going to talk about what it looks like, what does love actually look like. But I want to jump ahead to a verse you might be very familiar with at the end of the chapter. 
Now, uh, let me just stop for one second here. Um, the, when we begin to discuss what love looks like in our life, and we're going to kind of talk about that in, in a minute, here, here's my tendency, okay? Here, here's what I do. I read and I say, hey, love is patient. I can see a lot of people being impatient right now. Love is kind. <laughs> okay? Uh, and I look around and I see, I see every. You see what I'm doing? I see everybody. I see, I see all these problems. I see, every, see where I'm not looking? Right here. And I really want to encourage you. That, that, that is where my heart goes right away. My heart goes to find other people's sins, not my own. I really want to encourage you as we examine this love, as we examine having this love in our lives, demonstrating it to others, that your focus be, dear God, would you show me what's going on right here? Would you, would you convict this heart? Not let me worry about how, I, how somebody else is behaving. Okay, so he says, now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But he says, the greatest of these in love is love. Now, one of the things I want to encourage you with today, even before we look at what love looks like, I want to encourage you with the idea that we have this love alive in us if we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. He lives inside of us. And this powerful love, we can model for others. If you've grown up in a family where love was not modeled for you, where you have an experience, you can break that chain. If you've grown up in a family where it was modeled and, and you've been shown love, you can continue that and even improve on it as we grow in this love that Jesus Christ has placed in us. But why is it that it is called the greatest? Faith, hope, and love, but love is the greatest. That's one of those I thought, yeah, I'd like to know the answer to that uh, this week. I'd like to kind of dig into that. Why, why, do they, why do they say that love is the greatest? Spent a long time trying to find somebody who wanted to take that on. Finally found a guy from the 18th century. His name is Bishop Ryle. Some of you might have heard that name, famous commentator. Uh, but started reading, and he said this. I thought this was interesting. He said, you know, the reason why it is the greatest is because this is a way that you can be like God. You see, God has no need of faith. In whom would he have faith? God has no need of hope. He's already there in the future. He knows everything that's going to happen. But God is love. And as we then have that love and demonstrate that love, we have the opportunity then to be like God. For he is love. And then, therefore, the more I love, the more I am like him. Now, Ryle went on to say some other things that, uh, that just made me think a little bit. He, he said, you know, he said, even this greatness applies even to the love of Christ. If you think about it, Jesus was the greatest teacher ever. Jesus was the greatest uh, miracle worker ever. Jesus laid down his life and, did, and, and gave the greatest sacrifice ever. But all of these things, when you look at them in light of love, become even better. When you think about his teaching and the fact that this is the, the one who loves me perfectly, then I can say anything that Jesus teaches, it may, uh, you know, it, it may result in a cost, but it is never going to harm me. Let me say that again. Anything that Jesus teaches me to do, anything that he instructs me to do, may result in a cost. In fact, probably will result in a cost, but it would never harm me because the one who teaches me loves me with his un unbelievable love. Anything that, uh, uh, that he has asked me to do that he's called me to do and one of the things that he asked me to do is come to him again i'm coming to this one that i know loves me i can come with incredible conf confidence so as i begin to understand just a little bit of the magnitude of his love uh you know I, then i my obedience see how it affects obedience see how it affects uh, 
uh, just my prayer life because I know that he loves me. I know that this love is just so incredible. And this love is formed in you. I'm sorry, this love is born in you if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And this love is being formed in you. Listen, you've got something. You are something. You have that love. And if we feel frustrated that maybe right now I don't, I don't know what type of a difference I can make in people's lives, are you kidding me? We have that love of God that, that, we, can, that we can show forth. We have that love that we can demonstrate. I uh, put a little star by this statement, so if you've been, if your mind's been wandering for a minute, pull it back for a second and listen. Your life in Jesus Christ has become a place where God's glory is revealed and his love is reflected. I want to say that again. Your life in Jesus Christ has become a place where his glory is revealed and his love is reflected. With that in mind, can I ask you something? Can we make a difference? Okay, come on. Analyze that. Think through that. In my life abides the Spirit of God. The, the, the person of God dwells inside of me with that love. Can I make a difference in this world because I have that love? Now, you know, I mentioned next week we're going to look more at exactly what this love looks like. And, and, I, and I want you to know, you know, I understand that this is very important that we understand what it looks like because of the way it is sometimes defined in the world. You know, it is just a feeling that we have. Uh, Francis and I were at a wedding one time, and, and the pastor, I, n I never understood this, the pastor invited everybody to send their feelings of love up and surround the couple. I didn't know how you do that. I was kind of, bam. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know exactly what that looks like. But sometimes, you know, we have this idea that love, you know, we, we've defined love as just this feeling uh, that we have. And, uh, you know, just you know, somehow, sorry, there's a note back here I want to say about that. If I can find it, it was good. Um, but... Um, but I <laughs> can't find it. But as we look at the, the places, you know, in our lives where we want to see how God is teaching us to love and what this love actually looks like, that it is just, you know, somehow I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to muster. Oh, man, you know, I just felt great about that. I just felt this love. It's got to be more than that. But understand that that love, that that capacity to love, it resides inside of every one of us. Are there some people in your life right now that need to know this love? Are there some people in our lives that need to know this love? Am I reflecting that love? Am I carrying that love to other people? If I'm not, perhaps it is because I don't really know that love either. I have never received God's love in the person of Jesus Christ as I called on him to be my Savior for sin. I've never accepted him. I've never trusted him. I've never put my faith and trust in him. So therefore, I do not have that love abiding in me. But beyond that, I suggest that if that love is not being reflected, that we take a good hard look at why not. What bitterness in our life? What disobedience in our life? What grumbling? And probably most importantly, but this stands in the way of so many things, what pride in my life keeps me from demonstrating the love of God? Can we embrace together First of all, you know, I'm thankful Jan Jeremy, this song, we're singing about his love. We're singing about this incredible love. As we do that, 
as we work on that, and we're going we're to sing again at the end just a little bit more, more about his love. As we do that, can we realize, first of all, that that love uh, is, defies any understanding really that we have of what love is. And we want to learn more about it and we want to get it. But understand that that love also is in our capacity. Okay, as we look at some of the characteristics of love next week, can we realize that it is within my capacity to show forth that love? This is a possibility. This is a reality because of the presence of Jesus Christ in my life. Can we get a hold of that? So even as we sing, Jeremy, if you want to come back, I don't know, is everybody joining you? You're on your own. Okay, uh, we're going to do reckless love again. Uh, but even as we sing that, I want to encourage you just to, and this is something I hope we do every week. Say, God, why'd you bring me here today? Okay, why did you bring me here today? Uh, what is it that, uh, what is the message that your spirit has uh, for me? What is the calling? Maybe that, uh, maybe that plea of the spirit is saying right now, I love you so much that sent my son. God is saying, I sent my son to die on the cross for you. I want to bring you forgiveness. I want to make you right with me. Uh, maybe the, the plea of God is to say, hey, what is it that is keeping us from reflecting that love? A love that our world is crying out for. What in my life is keeping me from reflecting that love and having it shine? I, I want to mention, uh, we're going to sing, and I'll, I'll just have a word of prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. But uh, I'm around afterwards. If there's anything that, uh, especially if there's something, uh, hey, I... I don't even know exactly what you're talking about, this whole idea of having Christ in my life. I would love to talk to you about it. I really would. And nothing would make my Sunday any better than if I got a chance to do that. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church. Or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.